remember being barefoot as a kid. Remember like running outside and kicking off your shoes and feeling the grass under your, in between your toes or the sand or the water. I mean, that's what it's like. You can have that all the time. You know, you can spot a, a barefoot runner from 100 yards away when they're running. You're smiling. Welcome to the Gear.com show. This is Brig Graff with Gear.com. Today we have the real pleasure of speaking with Stephen Sashin, who is one of the founders of Zero Shoes. You might have heard of Zero Shoes. They are right at the forefront of the entire minimalist footwear, minimalist running movement. Uh, Stephen Sashin is a real brilliant thinker in terms of uh, all the benefits of, of more minimalist footwear. So if you've ever had questions about transition shoes, zero drop shoes, barefoot running, any of that, you're going to find a lot of value in today's podcast. So without further ado, here is Stephen Sashin from Zero Shoes. I mean, Zero has progressed over the years to create a, a bunch of different shoes, but it has kind of a really interesting origin story, right? Because uh, you and uh, your partner, Lena, are, are, are both from kind of a running heritage. You were a sprinter as a young man, right? I am. She's not. So oh. with Lena and I started the company. Um, so what happened for me was I'd gotten back into sprinting after a 30-year break. This was about 13 years ago when I was 45. And I was getting injured constantly. And a friend of mine who's a world champion uh, cross-country runner said, why don't you try running barefoot and see if you learn anything? Now, let me just pause there. I'm not going to try and talk people into running barefoot. Not, But I'm just telling a story. Don't, don't freak out. Uh -huh. anyway, so, I, so I took off my big padded motion control shoes. Uh, with my orthotics and went out on my first barefoot run and I was now again I'm a sprinter so I run the hundred I hear there's a thing at the end of the track called turns not sure how they work <laughs> so I think maybe I'd run a mile that was the longest I'd ever run not of my own volition I was forced to do it did not enjoy it but on that first barefoot run I was so enthralled with the experience just experimenting with different ways of landing on my feet, different you know speeds, different cadences. I mean, everything I could think of, we were running on grass and on roads and on trails and I mean, you name it. And at the end of this run, there was someone had a GPS watch on. I said, how, how far was that? She goes, that was a little over 5K. It's like, sorry, what? I mean, I had no idea. Now, the interesting thing, other than the fact that I just run further than I ever had and loved it, uh, is I ended up with a big blister on the ball of my left foot. Yeah. Now, I have learned that the average human being in that situation would go, oh, see, this is nonsense because, look, I got a blister. I went, huh, my right foot's okay, and it's my left leg that gets injured more often. So I wonder what's up with that. So a week later, my second barefoot run, I figured if I could find a way to run that didn't hurt, I probably wasn't doing the thing that caused the gaping wound that I still had in the first place. So let's give it 10 minutes, see what happens. Even if it doesn't work, I'll try again next week. And uh, nine minutes and 30 seconds of agony later, I'm just about to give up. And then literally the next stride, everything got better. And what happened was my brain basically said, look, if you're going to keep doing this thing that hurts, we're going to find a different way of moving that doesn't hurt. And what I didn't know at the time that I was doing was I was overstriding. I was reaching out and putting my foot too far in front of my body. And as a sprinter who tends to land on the ball of his foot, I was you know, reaching out and putting pressure on that spot where I got the big blister. So my form changed almost instantly, um, and I figured out what I was doing. I realized what that was, and I kept doing that. And that natural movement experience just was literally life-changing. So I wanted that all the time. We're getting to the end of the story. I wanted that all the time, and I knew about that, like the Tatamara Indians who made sandals with just some tire scraps laced to their foot. And I found some rubber from a footwear repair place, some cord from Home Depot. I laced these things on my feet because I wanted that natural movement feel 
but I wanted to, you know, be able to get in a restaurant without having to argue about healthcare violations. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I made a pair for me and for Lena and a couple other runners. And then it was like a, a shampoo commercial. They told two friends, they told two friends, they told two friends. <laughs> and, and then a guy says, um, I got a book coming out on barefoot running. If you, and again, I'm not telling people they need to run barefoot. Um, I've got a book coming out on barefoot running. And if you had a website and treated this little, you know, sandal making hobby like a business, I'd put mm -hmm. it in a book. So I rush home, pitch this brilliant opportunity to my wife. She tells me I'm insane and it's stupid and I shouldn't do it. And I'm a good husband, so I agreed with her. And I'm a typical husband, so after she went to bed, I built a website. <laughs> and then, you know, and it, it just took off. So we went from a do-it-yourself sandal making kit to a whole line of casual performance boot shoes and sandals that people use for everything from taking a walk to running ultra marathons. Man, I love that history because it comes from an actual pain that you yourself felt. A lot of people, uh, sometimes they'll create a technology or a product that's looking for a customer. Right. And we've seen a lot more success when people find a need and yep. then they see, how, how do I solve that need? Well, you know, this is a really interesting thing because the real need, if you think about it with footwear, is simple. People want comfortable shoes for the things they're doing. They want, you know, the certain performance characteristics. If they're needing performance characteristics, the biggest thing they want is comfort. I mean, I always ask people when they ask me what I do for a living, I go, well, let me ask you a weird question. Do your feet feel better at the end of the day than they did at the beginning? And no one ever says yes. And I go, well, look, it's not your fault. You're not alone. And it's not because of what you've been hearing from Big Shoe which is things like you need arch support, you need orthotics, you need cushioning, you need motion control, you need extra padding, you need, I mean, like all these things that are the normal solutions or the solutions, air quotes around that. Uh, that's what we've been taught for 50 years. And what I've discovered, and I'm not the only one, there's a lot of research that backs this up, is that letting your body do what it's designed to do is going to outperform any of those interventions for which there is zero evidence that they actually help. Uh, so, you know, your, your feet have a quarter of the bones and joints of your whole body. They have more nerve endings in your soles than anywhere at your fingertips and your lips. Clearly, you're supposed to use those things at the end of your legs. Your, your muscles, ligaments, and tendons are built-in springs and shock absorbers if you let them work correctly. So the solution we're providing is really, ironically, going back to like the 60s and beyond. Irene Davis, who's a doctor at Harvard, uh, asked a panel of footwear people that I was part of, she says, look, in the 60s, we were running in super thin-soled running shoes. We were playing basketball in Chuck Taylors. We weren't getting the kind of injuries, the severity of injuries, the number of injuries we're getting now. So what problem, she asked the big shoe guys, what problem were you trying to solve and why didn't it work? And they had no answer. So, you know, the gist is we're making footwear that lets your feet be feet. Your feet are supposed to bend and move and flex and feel. That's for mobility and agility and performance. If you don't let them do that job, that function tries unsuccessfully to move upstream to your ankle, your knee, your hip, your back. So when we let your feet do their job, then the rest of your body can do its job. So everything we do is about being, giving you the natural comfort that you get. Um, I mean, just remember being barefoot as a kid, remember like running outside and kicking off your shoes and feeling the grass under your, in between your toes or the sand or the water. I mean, that's what it's like. You can have that all the time. You know, you can spot a, barefoot runner from 100 yards away when they're running, they're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've, I've seen that. I, tr I tried uh, running minimalist for, for a while. I tried kind of midfoot striking and the rest. One thing that made a big difference for me, and, and again, we're not trying to convince anyone to run barefoot or minimalist or anything like that, was, uh, but, you know, there, 
are a lot of people who do enjoy it. And, okay. and so we may as well talk about that a bit because the, a lot of them are big fans yeah. of the Zero brand. Well, let me let me pause there because, again, I'm not trying to talk people into doing this. I know because, and again, we've got 50 years of people telling me you need these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I say to runners or walkers or hikers, anyone who's convinced that they need motion control and our support and padding and that their pronation's a problem, by the way, there's no evidence that it is. Um, I'm saying, look, fine, do whatever you're doing for performance or whatever you're doing you know, in those shoes. But whenever you can, at the very least, just take them off. At the very least, be barefoot. Or more, if you can just wear shoes like this for recovery, for active recovery, that's a really valuable thing. There's research that shows that just walking in minimalist footwear builds foot muscle strength as if you're doing an actual exercise program. So having stronger feet and ankles is good, even if you're going to wear you know, footwear that I think is causing problems only because it does. Um, but anyway, so if you're not going to switch, do something better. Like if you're a woman wearing high heels, you know, we know we watch them kick them off as soon as they can. Same thing for whatever you're doing. Whenever you can, let your feet build up strength naturally because a shoe that doesn't let your foot bend and move and flex and feel, it's like putting your arm in a cast. It doesn't come out stronger after eight weeks. It gets progressively weaker. And there's research that shows that. You put arch support, in the shoe of a healthy athlete, and within 10 weeks, they've lost up to 10% of the muscle mass in their feet. Mm. For the same reason that, you know, you do that when you put it on the cast. So if you can, you know, if you're not going to try this, that's cool. Use it for active recovery and for your daily wear when you're just walking around so that you can keep your body working naturally and have strong healthy feet. I, I love the way you're talking about that because it, it, one thing that got it was made a big difference for me was uh, was reading Roy Wallach's book from the LA Times of, of barefoot running step by step. Yep. And he talks a lot about how, you know, someone who's been running in a, a, what some would call an over-engineered shoe for a right. long time, um, that switching to a more minimalist uh, shoe or switching to barefoot eventually or, or whatever they end up wanting to go it does take some transition. Like you said, you know, you got a blister on that left uh, ball of the foot and, and there's a way to do it that you avoid overuse immediately that strengthens and builds those muscles in the foot and around the metatarsals that have atrophied for a lot of people in a, in, in a traditional or what has now become a, a traditional shoe. Well, let me address something you just said, because the idea that if you've been in a big high heeled shoe, you need to just go lower, 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 and then eventually get to something truly minimalist or barefoot. That was invented by footwear companies who weren't going to go to something totally barefoot. They were terrified in 2009, 2010, they were terrified that everyone was going to start running barefoot and they never sell one of the shoe. <laughs> so companies started making things that they called transition shoes. But the evidence is very clear. This came out of, again, Dr. Irene Davis's lab in Harvard, that the middle ground shoes are actually the worst for you. And the reason is they have enough cushioning that allows you to continue. So let me back up. It's not about the footwear. It's about the form. And the gist is that if you're not using your muscles, ligaments, and tendons the way they're designed to be used, that's going to be problematic. And regular footwear gets in the way of doing that. So when you're wearing a shoe that has enough padding that you can still overstride and heel strike, which sends a spike of force right up through your joints. Then, uh, but you don't have all the motion control, other things they built in to deal with the fact that their high heel shoes made you, made you overstride and heel strike. That's mm-hmm. more problematic. The real way to transition is you basically go barefoot or into something truly minimalist. And I emphasize that because, again, a number of people have identified the difference between a real minimalist shoe and something sold as a minimalist shoe that isn't really. So, anyway, we can talk about that too. But 
you want to just switch immediately, but just start really small. Like I tell people if they want to learn to run barefoot, and it's really the same for minimalist footwear. For minimalist footwear, just walk around. Just spend you know, some time walking first. For running barefoot, find a smooth, hard surface because that's going to give you the most feedback. Take off your shoes. Go for a super short run, 20 seconds. See how you feel the next day. If you feel fine, great. Next time, add 10 seconds. If you feel a little muscular soreness, you probably just use things more than you need to. There's the idea that you're going to always have Achilles or calf pain. Not true. It just means you use them too much. Um, so then rest and then try again. When you can do that 20 seconds and you feel fine the next day, again, add 10 more. And if you feel like you really hurt something, then you definitely need to pay attention to your form and make sure that you're landing with your feet like closer to underneath your body, not reaching too, out too far and landing forefoot or midfoot. Forefoot's actually better. Um, and pick up the cadence a little bit so you're moving your legs a little faster than what you're used to, but you're not running faster. Um, that's a cue that often helps with a lot of little issues. Um, other cues are like, imagine trying to lift your foot off the ground before it even touches the ground so that it's just passing over the ground. Like the way a wheel, the bottom of a wheel, just that one point that barely touches the ground, you know, that's another image. Or think of Fred Flintstone starting his car where his feet are behind him and they never quite catch up. Um, that's another, another image to use. So, oh, that's great. Anyway, those are all little, little ideas. Yeah, and what you've just articulated there that's better than I could is exactly the way uh, Roy Wallach put, put it in, in his book is, is start small. Yep. Don't try to do a transition-ish shoe or something labeled as a transition shoe. Start with shorter time yep. and then you're going to build up that musculature, musculature and you're going to train your body on the proper gait yep. and the proper cadence yep. for yep. minimalist running. Just thought of a funny analogy. I would like to say to people, like you would never go to the gym and just do a day of bicep curls, mm -hmm. which is essentially what happens if you go for you know a long run for the first time barefoot. But I thought of an even more apt analogy in a way about why you don't use a transition shoe. Um, if you, if, for someone who's never been able to do a pull-up, there's all those machines in, in the gym that'll assist you doing a pull-up. And you can get pretty good, you know, until there's like almost no weight that it's taking off your body to do a pull-up. Then you get off the machine, you try to do a pull-up, and it just doesn't work. Because mm -hmm. basically you've trained your body to do something that's not quite the same. Or I just had this other flashback back in my All-American gymnast days when I was in high school. Um, I broke my foot and I had my left, uh, foot in a cast. So I figured while I can't tumble, I'll just do a lot of strength moves. And I got super, super good at doing these insane strength moves. Mm. And then the cast came off and I couldn't do any of them because I was, I had to learn them out of balance. Ah, okay. <laughs> that, that makes a ton of sense. So it is about proper form. Totally. It is about uh, not trying to uh, use a, a cheat tool like a transition shoe or something like that because it's ultimately going to, to mess you up anyway. So, um, so then you, you built these uh, minimalist sandals that are that kind of call back to exactly what tar, the Taromara Indians in Mexico uh, were using for for their running, um, and then tell us where where Zero Shoes went from there. Ay ay ay. Well, um, at first, as the barefoot craze was kicking in, you know, just selling do-it-yourself kits was terribly fun. I like to say it helps you develop the superpower of knowing how to make footwear because it really is simple, and once you discover how little you need to have, look, footwear is simple, something to protect your foot, something to hold it on. That's it. Um, and in fact, the American College of Sports Medicine has a white paper about how to pick the right shoe. And that's basically what they say. You want some protection, you want to hold it on your foot. So when you discover that you can make something like that, how easy it is and enjoyable it is, and there's all this creativity that can get involved, um, that's a whole lot of fun. And that's what we did for three and a half years. But people, everything we've done 
has been predominantly inspired by people asking us for the next thing. So they'd say, love this idea, but I'm not going to make my own. So then we came up with our first ready-to-wear version of that same sandal. That's great, but I don't like something between my toes, even though it's a totally different thing with um, a Warache-style sandal where it's holding on, strapped around your whole foot, instead of a flip-flop where you need to grip with your toes and do unnatural things that aren't good for you. Um, so we made our first uh, um, sports sandal with webbing that goes across your foot instead of between your toes. Then people say, that's great, but you know, winter's coming up. What am I going to wear when it's cold or at the office? So we came up with our first casual shoe. That's cool, but what about if I'm running? We did our first running shoe. And then everything has moved from there. Uh, luckily, we totally by accident met a guy named Dennis Driscoll, who's our chief product officer, who'd been developing and designing footwear for 40 years. And he, when I, when I met with him, I said, God, I'd love to work with someone like you someday, but you know, like 30 years earlier when they're just getting their feet wet, and, uh, I can afford them. He goes, I just retired. I'm like, you're hired. So, <laughs> I love that. So, I mean, what he actually said is, I believe in what you're doing. It's the most important thing in footwear. I want to be part of this. You know, I don't need to get paid a lot. Um, and uh, uh, and Dennis has really spearheaded all, most of what you see that we've done. And and I've thrown in a bunch of ideas, knowing nothing about footwear design, but understanding biomechanics and and how and humans. As an undergrad, I did research on cognitive aspects of motor skill acquisition, and done, I've got a long history of helping people learn to do things with their body. So there's some elements in everything we do that I came up with that somehow no one had ever done before because everyone in the footwear industry is just copying the guy before them, and I didn't know any of that stuff. So that's that's great. And and Zero has received a lot of accolades in the press over the years. I mean, you've been named top five best running shoes by National Geographic, by Business Insider. I mean, that's happened repeatedly over the years. Yes. And, and lately you're getting some new accolades around some of your new product, right? Do you want to talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, it's fun. There's a website um, uh, that's a footwear review website and they list the top five highest rated running shoes and we're three of them. And mm. I, I'm, I don't understand why we're not four because there's one shoe that we have that's better than those three, I think. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the simplest thing, I'm going to kind of back up in a way. Um, Lena says it best. I mean, there's the, the footwear industry is worth hundreds of billions of dollars every year. And what that means is there's enough shoe companies out there. There's no reason to start another. Unless what you're doing changes people's lives. And that's what we hear all day, every day for people, whether it's just finding something comfortable or something that actually helps them in some other way. I mean, it's really, really satisfying. Um, I, I, I literally can't even remember some of the things that we've gotten lately. Runner's World called one of our sandals, you know, one of the top, the top recovery sandal. Um, the, I, I don't even keep them in my head because it's like once a week where we're getting something where we're named one of the top somethings, which is really interesting to me because um, people, there's some people who still think that the whole minimalist or barefoot idea died, and yet here we are being continually named one of the top shoes. And, Name a category, road running, trail running, hiking, travel. I mean, it's, it's really, it's splendid. Yeah, well, and, and we've seen river running guides become oh, yeah. fans of Zero's sandals. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, ultra packable, which is nice. And, lightweight. And, Everything we do is really, really lightweight for one. Yeah. And, and, and versatile. We have, we've hear, heard from a number of people who like, took a trip and they packed their four pairs of shoes and then only wore ours. And so then on the next trip, didn't pack those extra shoes and had all that extra room. Yeah. Uh, uh, or you know, people who've used our sandals or our shoes as the only footwear they had on a through bike for the AT or the Camino or the PCT. 
So the versatility, the lightweight, the natural movement, which keeps your feet feeling good. I mean, you, you, let's not call, um, um, cherry pick it. You know, if you're using your feet more during a day, if you're walking 20 miles and you're not used to that, you're going to feel some soreness in the same way you would if you just didn't get too many push-ups. Yeah. But not the kind of like, oh my God, I got to get my shoes off my feet at the mm -hmm. end of the day. There's a guy, uh, I've got one of the shoes here, who took one of our uh, lightweight hiking boots on a trip up Kilimanjaro. And at the end of the day, everyone's like ripping off their boots and they got black toenails and toenails falling off and blisters. He said, I, I, I went to sleep in that a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Man, that's, that's incredible. I mean, there's, so from river running guides to minimalist travelers, you obviously the uh, minimalist runners, you just mentioned hikers. What are some of the other customers you've seen emerge, customer groups for Zero Shoes that yeah. you didn't anticipate at the start yeah, of yeah. A lot of them. Uh, my favorite one, actually, I'll do this uh, in, in reverse order, is guys who play the um, arcade game Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, one, one week I got emails from like four of the top Dance Dance Revolution players telling me, hey, you know, here's a video of me wearing your shoes. Like, what? Um, so that was that was a blast. Um, uh, CrossFit, of course, kind of makes sense, but we've got a bunch of power lifters lately, the Toronto. <laughs> it's basically, um, think like Chuck Taylor, but a minimalist version of a Chuck Taylor. So it's yeah, a high tech sneaker. Almost like, a, almost like uh, the kind of wrestling shoes that yeah. you used to wear back in high school, yeah. Yeah, if you were wrestling, if you were wearing for some other reason, that's weird. Um, mm. so, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so power lifters is good. Um, a bunch of, um, we've had, oh, uh, the Olympic hand, uh, Olympic handball player, mm. lots of parkour athletes. One of my favorite ones actually is really interesting. Somebody came into the office, put on a pair of our shoes, started walking around outside and was marveling about how much he could feel. And it's like, oh, I think I've stepped on this little crack in the sidewalk before. And I know this rock over here. And he's just, you know, exploring all the places around and why that's meaningful is that he was blind. Oh, and, and I said to him, I'm embarrassed that it didn't occur to me how valuable this would be for people who are blind. He goes, it's like having another sense. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah, I that's a good one. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then in a, in a similar vein, we've gotten a lot of emails from parents of kids with uh, ADHD and autism. And, I, and, and they say, we think, it's hypothetical, that the reason my kids love these shoes, and, nor, and we're like ripping off all their other shoes, is it gives them sensation. It lets them feel. And if you think about it, one of the things that is a treatment for both of those conditions, or not a treatment per se, but, but a way of accommodating that, is by giving the brain a certain amount of kind of baseline stimulation. It kind of, strangely, it calms things down. It makes me think of when I lived in New York City, and I could meditate better on a subway than in my home because that background noise has kind of shut out my thinking. Mm. So we've, we've heard from that. We've heard from Special Olympics kids who, because they're feeling more, they're performing better. Um, and then, actually, we have a fun one now. We're the, the sponsor and partner of the U.S. Olympic women's artistic swimming team, formerly synchronized swimming. Oh. You would think, why do they need shoes in the water? And the answer is, they don't. But they do need shoes getting to and from the pool, something on the podium. And they know that, you know, using their feet keeps their feet and ankles strong and healthy, which they do need when they're in the water. So that was a, that was a fun one when they reached out to us. Oh, very interesting. Well, and Another interesting angle on Zero Shoes is that it's made of entirely vegan-friendly materials, right? Um, there's two shoes that we have that are not. Uh, three, actually. Uh, two that are coming out. So that Chelsea boot that you mentioned before, that's a leather boot. Mm -hmm. There's a women's dress flat that's coming out with a leather version and a, uh, a knit version. And there's another um, dress shoe that's kind of hiding over there. 
um, our Alston, which is a Oxford style shoe. Mm-hmm. And at first we were 100% vegan. And, but again, we got people saying, you know, I have to wear a leather shoe in the office or for my job. And so we're all about natural movement first and foremost. And then we make things vegan friendly as often as we can. All right. Well, that's helpful to understand. And I think it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to care a great deal about that and, and the models that you do have that are vegan friendly. Yeah. But I mean, we're happy. To, it's, I don't want to put it. Um, we are trying to be as inclusive as we can. Mm-hmm. And then there's sometimes where we know we're making something for a smaller group of human beings, but it's important to do it for them. And so we do. All right. Well, uh, do you want to share a little bit with us about the Happy Feet shoe that has uh, been getting a lot of good <laughs> reviews? <laughs> um, so, yes. So that's the HFS. And um, people do ask where the name came from. And could be Happy Feet shoes or highly flexible sole or um, high frequency stride or uh, could be what people exclaimed when they first put it on, which would <laughs> be something. Um, so this kind of exemplifies everything that we do. Uh, we have all of our shoes and sandals, nice wide toe box, so your toes can spread and relax. If they are squeezed together, that limits motion and mobility and actually cuts off blood flow in the sole of your foot. Um, low to the ground for balance and agility. We don't elevate the heel so that because mess, that messes with your posture. We don't have toe spring, which isn't necessary with a sole that's as flexible as this. Everything's super flexible. Um, speaking of the sole, it's giving you the right combination of protection and ground feel but also well, protection and, and, and grip, but then giving you the ground feel that lets your foot tell your brain what's happening so your brain knows how to work with the rest of your body. And it's also really durable. It's back to the 5,000 miles slow warranty. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really helpful. And I, I need to, so I come from a past history early in my career as a, as a pro skier. Um, and so I've crammed my feet into performance ski boots that are downsized uh, quite a fair amount for yeah. years. Neuroma in my toes, all that sort of thing for, as a result of that. And so when I think and, and was a ran cross country in high school, really enjoyed that. Always love a, a good run. But, you know, I'm always fearful that I might injure myself and right. or that or that. If I go too minimalist, I'm not going to have the performance there that I that I really want. What would you say to someone that kind of comes from that background? Uh, that makes no sense. So, um, <laughs> um, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about for performance. You know, we have so let's see, do I have uh, reaching for another shoe? So you know, this is a uh, the Mesa Trail. So similar idea to the HFS, but with a much grippier, lovely tread. And there's actually we've hiding in the sole of this is three millimeters of what we call trail foam. Actually, yeah, trail foam. So we're adding just a tiny bit of cushioning. Um, we're never, we don't want to have enough cushioning where, you, where you're losing connection with the ground, but just enough so that you don't have to worry so much about what you're stepping on. And that's, so there are a number of variations that, I mean, I can't reach for it from here, but we've got um, a fully waterproof hiking boot that's even luggier than that and still gives you good ground feel, really flexible, really lightweight. I mean, everything we do is about lightweight, flexible, natural motion. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. Well, thank you, Stephen. Uh, as we wrap up here, is that we'd love to hear um, how things have been going for you guys. Obviously, 2020 is a crazy year, and uh, it, everyone's impacted in one degree or another. Uh, how have things been for you and your team there at Zero? Well, like everybody, in mid-March, we thought the world was ending and, and we were going to have to fire everybody. Happily, uh, we didn't have to do that, and even more happily, the, the biggest thing that changed is that we had a lot of really big retail orders that got canceled because the retail stores closed. 
Um, so we had a lot of inventory. We happily were able to, to sell that um, and, and kind of actually do really well. And then because the only thing people can do is get outside, stay appropriately physically distanced from people and do things like walk, run and hike, we've actually been doing really, really well. And the biggest challenge we've had is we've done, it's so surprising how well we've been doing that we've not been able to provide the high level of customer service that we're known for, where we reply really, really fast. And, you know, and one of the other things actually I'll say, we've, we've noticed a lot of people will call us um, and they're really starved for human contact. And they'll just want to talk about shoes for hours. And it's like, we got a bunch of emails for that answer. So uh, <laughs> we're really, we're, we are really happy that we've been able to help people during this time um, and that it's allowed us to keep everybody employed. In fact, we've had to hire some new people. Um, we, we are very, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, A, grateful, but B, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that we didn't have to let it lay anyone off because getting people up to speed on everything we do takes time and we value that. And so it's been, it's been good. Um, we have no idea what's going to happen in the future, but we have a bunch of great new products coming out that are useful for whatever people are doing, um, including some winter-friendly products, which is new for us. And um, uh, we're just really crossing our fingers slash excited about what's coming up. Well, thanks, Stephen. It's great talking with you and uh, really dig what you've built here. It's obviously a, a very interesting and different sort of product. Uh, out there that is, has gained a really, really loyal following and continues to expand the number of people who, who come to it and get it and, uh, and, and become loyal, loyal fans. So congratulations on what you've done and best of success for everything ahead. Thank you. Thank you.